the Anything But Quiet Time podcast where we share what we're doing in our personal quiet time with Jesus. And we put it out there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we need a change of music right now. I think I know exactly where you're going. Be- uh, oh. Yeah. X-Files. No, see, I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking, because that's like aliens or something that's paranormal. Well, we're doing an audio time capsule. But time capsule, I'm thinking like Hugh Lewis in the news with Back to the Future or something. Well, it's it's too late. I had the X-Files ready. I paid the license. Okay, it's too late. You got it off YouTube. Okay, all right. So this is going to be an interesting uh, start because uh, what we have is an email from hmm. the past. Uh, technically, the email is from the present, but it's based on... An episode we did right after the pandemic started. So I love that we're pulling something from a time capsule mm-hmm. that's two years old. Yes, it is. Two, two years by is the it, time you're listening to this, just about. It's usually supposed to be like a century or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's it's two true. years. But honestly. A lot's changed. Cyberspace makes things go by a lot faster. <laughs> that's true. If right. it lives 10 minutes on the internet, that's 10 years. It's ancient. It's ancient. Here's, uh, this is from two years ago. You'll hear the toilet paper reference. There's also the jealousy factor of, oh, you have toilet paper to do this with. So that, that you know, then there's Isn't that, that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> if you are listening to this into the future, uh, first of all, this is where we talk about our quiet times and an audible form of a quiet time. Uh, but this is during the coronavirus thing. Yeah. And it's perfect because if you are listening to this in the future, this is what we want to do. Audio time capsule. Okay. Wherever you're at right now, whether this is months into the future, because this is uh, March 19th of 2020. So if you're listening to this months or years into the future and you see how we got out of this and how God provided for us and how God provided for you, would you please email us that blessing so that we can be reminded uh, morning show at KSBJ.org. You're listening to the past, but you're emailing us in the future. We should probably put a timestamp on this in case like it's in a Will Smith movie later, like a hundred years from now. Uh-huh. We'll probably be with Jesus at that point. We'll I be, guess that's a good point. We're if, probably not going to be living and breathing anymore. In the year 3000. <laughs> okay. So we so just I had just, fun from there. I got to yeah. tell you, I counted five times you used the word future in the future. In the future. So what song do you think we should be pulling back I have it on retainer. I can use as much as I want. No, okay, so we're back to the present now, uh, back in 2022. And we got an email from Presley, who is now binging our podcast, like we said, Mm. and did just happen to listen to this. So has the clarity. She did the thing. She did the thing that we asked. Thank you so much, Presley. And I think it's a great conversation for all of us about faith during this a yeah. crazy time. When two years ago, we wouldn't have thought that, you know, what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, for example. Well, yeah, we've learned a lot of things. But if we didn't choose to write them down. Yeah. Which I know I get lazy with that stuff. Sure. Writing things down. And I'm, I do have these little notes in my Bible. That's one plus for having, I think, a physical Bible. Not only does it help you kind of navigate and know where things are in scripture god forbid in the future we don't have the internet well plus uh with a real physical bible and i don't i use my phone but Mm -hmm. i I can tell you the advantage would be is that your friend's wordle score doesn't pop up every five minutes blocking the verse you're trying to read so that's so that's nice but i do write little notations and and i put the date on it so i know yeah hey this is what i was thinking and i try to abbreviate which for me is very difficult but it works yeah. So that's one way to do it. But Presley, thank you so much for taking the time to write what you learned. Okay. So she said, I'll just read the whole thing. 
I am binge listening to y'all's podcast and just got to the March 19th, 2020 podcast. And you you wanted I wanted to respond to what you tasked. Mm. Uh, we are what I would consider on the other side of the pandemic, although I recognize COVID will probably be around forever and we're learning how to get back to normal. Yeah. So she says it's twofold. Uh, I think the biggest blessing for me because of COVID is twofold. Number one, that family meal time became enjoyable again. As we grew older, everyone has their various schedules and lives, but COVID allowed us to reconnect and gave us time to learn what the adult versions of ourselves enjoy. We found that we actually did a lot of the same things, but at different times. Now we're making it a point to do those things together to hopefully avoid the drifting apart that had happened since we're older. It sounds like like siblings, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, number two, I'm in the business world, and I think COVID helped people realize that the person on the other end of the phone or email was also human. Mm. So there's been more grace and less embarrassment if a dog barks or a kid shows up during a meeting. Those things are looked at as, as positive. Yeah, it's cherished. Instead of disrupted. That's so true. Yeah. We also got to know people as parents, spouses, grandparents, fellow citizens, because everyone was struggling. And it was made normal to talk about how, how those things that uh, aren't just related to the deal. Okay, so instead of the business deal, uh, about talking about mm -hmm. real life, too. Mm -hmm. uh, and then she uh, ends it, uh, thank you both for the podcast and being so real. I thought this was interesting. She said, I appreciate that even though y'all don't agree on everything, you still love and respect each other as fellow believers. Mm. I'm excited to continue to listen. I think we certainly disagreed before, but sure. generally we are big disagreements. We probably don't do on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so. I think we've tried. I mean, I don't feel necessarily after we've done a podcast, recorded it and out like Sometimes I will go home and I'll be like, oh, man, I don't like the fact that we sounded like we didn't agree on that. Mm. But my husband and I had a really good conversation regarding that one day in that he said, but honey, that's just life. Yeah, that's true. Not th that's the true. disciples didn't always agree. Yeah. Yeah. You could clearly tell. Now, obviously, they had to, you know, I think it's like uh, I heard Dr. Tony Evans sharing that when he and his board enter a room to make decisions for oh, the church, okay, okay, they purpose themselves to once they walk out of that room. To be in agreement about whatever decision they need to make. Oh, gosh, that's it, tough. That doesn't necessarily mean I mean, it's like we can agree to disagree, uh -huh. but we're going to respect whatever that decision is. We're going to leave everything else at the table. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And he said something along that line. And I thought that's really, really good. And I think by the end of the day, you know, Carter and I certainly value each each other's relationship with Jesus Christ and know where it's founded and rooted right there at the cross. And and so we can always agree on that and agree to disagree on maybe some of the other stuff that is is fluffy in comparison. I well, mean, there's some really basic standards you don't want to gloss over. We well, and that's exactly right because we were talking about this last night at small group, um, and we want to get to the COVID part of this too. But this is yeah. just such a fascinating conversation that um, there are things that you would break fellowship for, mm. and it's it's few. But there's big ones. And when you say break fellowship for. If you, uh, let's say you've seen a church split before, usually over stupid things. Yeah. Right. But if you had somebody leading a sect of people in your church that said something like Jesus wasn't actually God or Jesus never oh, died on a cross. Right. Or no, you're These leading. Are fundamental or, or problems. Yes. Yeah. Boom. Done. But even some of the important topics. Yeah. But um, but not necessarily indicative on how we get to heaven or the nature of God. Stuff like can women be pastors, um, stuff like uh, curse words, uh, you know, how church carpet. Sure, we'll throw that in there. The color of the church carpet. It, we would never, never want to break unity 
uh, and and how did I put that? Dis, uh, withdraw fellowship. Withdraw fellowship. Uh, over secondary issues. Yeah, greater or lesser truths is how I've heard it mm. shared before. Yeah. And I, I think at the time when I heard it shared, I was like, what does that even mean? Greater truth being Jesus Christ, knowing him, believing that he lived, died, rose again, and that by believing in him, we are saved from sin. Yeah. yeah. And we'll have eternal life. And following after him can then obviously expose others to the light of Jesus Christ because yeah. they'll be seeing him in us. These are, th- these are the fundamentals of our faith. And knowing that he is God is part of a trinity being. Right, right. That's God the Father, right. Son, Holy Spirit. These are fundamentals. And like you said, it doesn't mean that the lesser truths aren't valuable and important sure. on, on some level. But you would agree to disagree at the end and still go to lunch together. Exactly. Well, I hope so. And right. I th- I think keeping the main thing, the main thing is what I have to keep directing myself out because I can get distracted by lesser truths. Yeah. And then yeah. somehow weave them into the greater truth. It's like, whoa. Well, I think that's where our world's at. And I think, unfortunately, Christianity has taken uh, a page out of, of that book mm-hmm. of we'll just not talk to each other or we'll tweet at each other angrily about secondary albeit important, but secondary issues. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So I, I disagree. I, <laughs> I just said it. Why would I disagree? So what do you think on the COVID part of her, just her kind of life lessons? Over, I love that, over that it's positive. Yeah. Because a lot of us could easily go the negative route. And certainly those things you started the beginning. I think, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the vibe I get from from people when we're in distress at the initial response of distress or emergency, we've got each other's back. Mm-hmm. And it's like uh, people giving toilet paper out in the neighborhood door to door. What do you need? What can we do for you? We've seen it time and time again. We live in the Houston area uh, where hurricanes are a thing. Sure. And perhaps you live in a natural disaster zone and you know what that's like to experience the help of people immediately. It's the aftermath of that initial help where sometimes it gets blurry. Yeah. And so initially we're in COVID together. We're experiencing these stresses and strains together. We've got your back together. But then you start to see these giant divisions taking place in the months following where we start to find moments and I, I love that I, I heard from a listener once who who shared, look, I'm very uh, grateful that the topic of racism in our country is being addressed again with boldness. People are being confronted. And I'm not looking at this as a negative because so many people are divided. I'm looking at can we grow from this, mm-hmm. which hopefully that's always the way we can look at when when conflict arises. How can we grow and learn from past mistakes from our history that's, I believe, how God wants us to to view life. Um, but I, I do think a lot of people would point to COVID as the starting point, the tipping point for a lot of these major issues that started filling up our headlines because we now have nothing. We have nowhere else to go. Yeah. So yeah. We, we can't be busy with, uh, you know, the craziness of life and schedules. I think that was pointed out with George Floyd that that might have not got the attention it did. Mm. Uh, I'm sure it would have got attention, but not oh. like it did be, because yeah. life yeah. was would have been so busy 
pre-COVID. Yes. And yet we all were slowed down at that given point in time. It's just a tragic, tragic situation. Uh, to, to, to your, what you said though, mm. I did see this, this uh, quote and I, I don't agree with it in full, but I, I think it, I think there's a lot of it that's true. Maybe I do agree with it in full or close to it. Uh, it says, we don't like being care workers. We want to be heroes. The world doesn't need more heroes. Mm. What we need is more care. And now, I think where I disagree is we do need heroes. We do need people to step up when Hurricane Harvey in Houston happens. Absolutely. But it is interesting how you see the long-term problems that all of a sudden that's where people feel lonely. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like that many people struggled with the idea that nobody cares about me in those in that week or two mm -hmm. weeks of Harvey because you had people strangers coming to the literal rescue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And again, I don't want to say like when. <laughs> If that happens again, we need the Cajun Navy. I'm not saying we don't need heroes, but where and I find myself this way too. I want to be a part of that big moment is what I'm drawn to. Mm -hmm. But in the six months or quite literally years of an individual fighting insurance on just trying to get their home rebuilt. Right, right. I go on with my life and I don't think about that mm -hmm. person's daily struggle even if it was something as simple as a phone call, but but they feel like I'm in this alone. That's why we constantly tell each other to check in with one another. Yes, yes. And so that's something I need, I need to be reminded of, just like you would with a person who's dealing with grief. The anniversary of the loss of that person, mm -hmm. uh, a Christmas, yeah, true. a birthday, how are you? You know, Or you go to a marriage, you celebrate the wedding. Hey, have a great life. And then you don't check in with them. Hey. Yeah. It's been a couple years. That's true. How how are you guys doing together? You doing all right? You why know? why don't we? Is it because is it like a checklist? Be, we just where you write it off and it's like, well, it's a schedule. Yeah. We allow things to cloud that. And so with the COVID situation making us put a halt on schedule mm -hmm. and rethink how do we <laughs> how do we go about all of this? We have to undo all the things that we usually do right. and redo. Um now it gives us pause and time to reflect as you brought up um the incredibly tragic situation regarding George Floyd. And I do think there are so many positives that came out of such a horrific situation in terms of like, let's find unity mm -hmm. in such a divided moment and, and where has been such division for so long. Yeah. I mean, we, in our podcast, we have shared uh, it's the beginning <laughs> the, the division in, in terms of racism across the generations and centuries, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, my word. But it gave us a chance to address a situation and then kind of massage it with time. Does that make sense? To massage it with time? So it's like... Yeah, what do you mean? It's not just like, hey, I'm going to give you five seconds of my life to think about it. Sure. I got sure. nothing but time now. Right. That's true. So I'm going to I'm going to not just think about it. I'm going to I'm going to get in the situation with everyone who's feeling this deeply. Mm -hmm. How can we be a benefit to each other? How can we grow? What can we do to do life better together? Yeah. And it gave us pause to reflect. And so I really do think time can be our, our worst enemy because we allow it to take control of our schedule as opposed to us taking control of it. Sure. Sure. And so unless I have control of my schedule, I'm not going to think about massaging time with newlywed couples 
yeah. where, oh my word, my friend just lost his dog. I want to check in with Carter. Yeah. How are you guys yeah. doing without Benson? You know, those are, are things that I, I want to be mindful of. And then we get feel guilty when we're not mindful of it. But hopefully, like what Presley yeah. was saying, she learned to slow it down, make sure she's having dinner with the family every night. Oh, I yeah. want to keep those kinds of things in in the flow, and I don't want to get back to what it was. It's just hard. It, it's it hard is. because I I don't want to. I mean, even me personally with losing my dog, I don't want to sit and think about it. No, you know, and so I wouldn't want you to check in with me every week or month. Uh, no, no, no. Still, it still sucks. Okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I don't want to. I'm sorry. Maybe that was a bad example. But... No, no, no. Because it is. You should check in. It just it's the balance of it is hard. Maybe not making a phone call just to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe feel it. I don't know. But just yeah, if you feel if you're around that friend long enough to know, okay, they, they're feeling pretty okay with the situation now. They started to sure, sure. You've seen the the stages of grief. Maybe the that's process the, of it. It's the idea of of just kind of looking up. Yeah. You know, from my phone. There you go. Really seeing people and then having a an idea of what I might. Check in and with when you know a person well enough too, and maybe that's just a challenge to to schedule more coffee dates with people. That's true. When you know a person well enough, then you know what dates might be triggering for them. I have a friend who um, she struggles when it comes to holiday season because visiting with family is really difficult for her. It's mm -hmm. a chore. Family it can be overwhelming and a burden even at times. And yeah. so, hey, what's your plans? What, what are you thinking? You know, just checking in with her. And I know that that just helps her have a sounding board a little yeah, bit. True. True. <laughs> just to lean in. Uh, there's another element of what is actually you said on that old clip about the toilet paper of oh, the toilet paper. And it just, you know, you, you sit here yeah. and you laugh now. Well, now. Yeah. But that's my point. It was such a big deal. Uh -huh. And it really didn't end up being a big deal. And there oh. are so many things that in the moment, mm -hmm are such a big deal. Now, COVID ended up being a big deal, right? But let's say gas prices, for example. Yeah. They could change next week. Yeah. They they could change two months from now. And you get to the end of the year, and then they they do on TV, you know, Ryan Seacrest or whoever will do the year-end countdown. And remember in, in March yeah. when gas prices, I forgot about that. Yeah. And yet I spend, and it's not that we can't be concerned, oh. but it's, it's that, am I going to waste my time worrying about, well, this is it? Gas is just going to be this much from now on, or there will be no more gas, or Russia's going to do this. And it's, you know, in fact, I, I told you this about the, the other day. I watched a, uh, a documentary on uh, Winston. Well, it was about just World War II. And we look back now, and of course, World War II was a big deal. I mean, that's mm -hmm. an understatement. But in terms of um, the leadership, it was just no big deal. FDR was great. Winston Churchill was great. Everybody was just great, and they were the ones to do the job, and it was perfect. They mm. defeated Hitler. Well, you, you you remind yourself, or even for me, educate myself, Winston Churchill took over for a guy named Neville Chamberlain, and it was kind of, it was night that 1938, 1940, right before Hitler really started doing stuff. Mm. And people were wondering, is Winston Churchill the guy? Yeah. Is he the guy to take on? I don't think he's the guy. Yeah. And so there was disunity within Britain about that before but and yet we know that he was the guy for the job we don't know what's what's happening and so my, i guess my point is with any big headline any big change that we don't have the hindsight to we don't have the clarity to i gotta take a step back and know that it's in god's hands mm -hmm. and know that and even if it is the end right because that, that doesn't mean that you know for somebody that went into world war ii tragedy didn't happen but ultimately god is still sovereign and god is still in control 
And of course you would fear something horrendous like a war, but if it's in his hands, I can trust him with the end of it. There's this line from Seinfeld that Carter and I like to, to quote back and forth, and it's Newman. Newman is the guy who he's a, he's a postal worker. He's a postal worker, postal employee Newman. Yeah. And what does he say about the mail? When uh, you control the mail. You control information. There is no control over information today. Okay. We're inundated with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's true. Everybody's got an opinion. Sometimes the opinion are, is posted as news. And then you don't even know, am I reading this person's opinion or is this news? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's so much information. So some would say, oh my word, what a blessing that we live in, in an information age. And I think, yes, there there is a tool there that is hugely helpful. But the problem with it is sometimes we overdose on it. Um, where I'm going with this is back in during World War II era, I, I can't even imagine what it would have been like if the internet existed. Oh my goodness, yeah, that's true. And what information would have been flying around about Hitler? And I mean, would yeah. it have gotten as far as it did? What what would have happened? What it would have stopped? And here we are now. Um, people have whispered about you know being on the world uh, the verge of World War Three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, right. I don't know if there's any um, anything to that. Again, God holds our future in His hands. Yeah, and we can trust Him, whatever that looks like. There's a lot of information going this way and that. I find it fascinating that we our opinions about people change as quickly as our uh, as our weather where we live, Carter. It's back yeah. and forth right now, right. crazy cold, and then it gets really hot, and then it gets really cold. And I remember when you were talking about Winston Churchill and his popular vote, if people were in or out when it came to his the love for him mm-hmm. during his reign, probably. A lot of the time at the beginning, it was out. Yeah. And then yeah. when there was giant success with World War II, well, everybody's saying his praises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the people closest to him <laughs> probably share. He's still a stinker. Yeah, he's not perfect, I'm sure. Yeah. Hard, to, hard to work with, be around, but uh, certainly flawed, but a good guy. <laughs> and he know? smoked all the time. <laughs> Every picture you see, he's got the cigar. Think about when I was a kid and you, you were in diapers if you were even born. But when the Persian Gulf War was going on, mm-hmm. they came out with these baseball cards where President George Bush, he was dressed up like a cowboy and he was shooting these guns off at the feet of Saddam Hussein. Oh, my gosh. They characterized him as this bigger than life, the best of the best. That sounds like the 50s, but you're talking about 1990. I'm talking about in the yeah the latter part of the 80s. That's crazy. And I remember those baseball cards and his numbers were through the roof in terms of like a PR was very happy. He was doing well with the popular vote. And then that came crashing down a little bit after mm. um, the war was kind of waning or did he do as good a job? Mm. We didn't get Saddam. Mm. We saw it kind of repeated with his son in the situation regarding 9-11. People were singing sure. the praises of our president. Sure. And how he stepped up in leadership, and then when things didn't go the way we've seen it with yeah. every president, really, yeah, that, yeah, you know, that's, that's true. They have their incredible moments, and they don't. And it's just we are so fickle mm. as people. And I have to always get back to even with the toilet paper situation. What about tomorrow? What about this? What about that? <sighs> we're all just people. Yeah. In that, we're at the same level as one another. Not one better. Not one less. 
And, you know, I'm reading about what took place in Exodus uh, with the Israelites and the command of the people. Look, you need food and I'm going to send you something from heaven. So you got it. But I don't want you to collect more than you need for the day. I want you to just get the day's worth. And he gave them a direct amount of measurement. This is what I want you to do for your family. Now, if you're a larger family, do more. But just enough. Yeah. yeah. Nothing left over. Because it ain't going to be good the next day. Of course, what happens? There are people like, well, maybe we should get more. Yeah. Yeah. I should go out and buy 50,000 things of toilet paper. That was the uh, first episode <laughs> of Hoarders. Um, yeah. And don't get me wrong. Look, I was one of those people thinking, maybe I should get three packages of oh, toilet paper. Yeah, totally. You know, because we didn't know what was going on. Everybody's going bananas. Yeah. And so the Israelites did that. They they got too much manna. And the next day, they go to look at it. And there's worms in it. It's nasty. It's stenchy. It's gross. Mm. And God's mad. Come on. I told you. Yeah. Yeah. I told you I would provide. I would give you enough. And certainly the next morning, they walk out and they see there's the provision again. It's there for you. And I want you to just not do it on the Sabbath. I want you to take that day as a day of rest and believe in my provision through that day that you're not going to have to go out and get it yourself, attain it yourself, work for it yourself. I got you. That's really what Sabbath is all about. Yeah. It's That's what Jesus said. It was meant not for uh, for us to be slaves to it, but for it to be to be a blessing to us. Sure, sure. That That's really good. And it ties in exactly with what uh, a pastor shared recently about our life experience when we look at the Bible, whether it's big stuff like this, or it's just, you know, my friend went through this and I love my friend. So I'm changing my view on the Bible. Mm -hmm. Now I think it says this about whatever issue, pro-life, pro-choice. I mean, Mm -hmm. anything, right? Mm -hmm. We can let our life experience change our own narrative. We, before we even open the Bible, Mm -hmm. our life experience has made us go, well, if it says anything about this, I disagree with it. Mm. Or I'll just read a verse and pretend it supports my view. <laughs> so you bring your baggage to the table when you're reading the Bible. Yeah. You're going to be sorely disappointed. Because <laughs> the Bible, it is what it is, right? It just, it, it's, and so I think of it like this. If I am, I haven't fleshed out this analogy fully, but I think this works. If I am looking at a map of the best way mm-hmm. to get from point A to point B, mm-hmm. and digital map, Siri, okay, and Siri tells me that it's this route. Yeah. Well, Siri, you have me on a toll road. It's mm-hmm. going to cost me a little more than I'd like. Also, I want to stop at that donut shop. What if, or that's not the fastest way. This is the fastest way. <laughs> and my baggage, my narratives, my desires have influenced now how I look at the map and what I follow. Yeah. But here's Siri, my guide in this situation, Mm -hmm. telling me, no, the best way is point A to point B, and here's your route. I've mapped it out for you. And we can really um, invalidate that Mm. by our our life experience, even by something like COVID. And or by, uh, well, for example, here's here's a great one that I saw that is they could have done the wrong thing and they did the right thing. Uh, A Russian, and you never know what's true, but if this is true, this is awesome. A Russian soldier was somehow alone. He'd gotten lost, something. 
and Ukrainian citizens gave him food and he was overwhelmed by with what was going on. So they gave him a phone so he could call his mom. Wow. Wow. And if you let your life experience, they let their life experience of Mm -hmm. forget this. I hate Russian soldiers. Yeah. I'm not going to. And again, I don't even know if these people are Christians or not. Certainly they're conveying the principles of Christ. Right. And uh, but if they let their life experience get in the way, well, we, we'd all. Oh, you you threw coconuts at him. Great job, Ukrainians. Like we would I would have probably laughed oh, at that. If that was right? in a movie, it'd be like serves them right. Serves them right. Yeah. And yet in real life, they chose the right thing regardless of their life experience. And that's how we have to view the Bible in yeah. the midst of big situations like we've had the past, the past couple of years. That's really good. That's really good. I was just hearing something about that the other day. If we have anger issues mm-hmm. or bad experiences with anger, and that's triggering to us, when we read about the anger and wrath of God in Scripture, that paints a picture of God that's undesirable, mm. and it's connected to something that... It has nothing to do with the kind of anger maybe being ex- expressed through scripture, mm-hmm. but because of your connection with it, now I've got a painted picture of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I don't like that. Sure. And certainly that's, I think a lot of the ways that people do read scripture, especially if they're not following or if they're not following after Jesus and somebody hands them a Bible and they have those issues and they just read that one verse about mm-hmm. the wrath of God, which destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Right, right. <laughs> Well, he didn't sound like a very nice guy, but the I was hearing about the mosaic of the pieces that we piece together to describe who God is. And uh, I referenced Tim Mackey a lot. He's one of my favorite humans on the planet, um, came from a background of, of really not, I don't know, I think he went in fresh. He didn't really know much about scripture, but he became a doctor and then he started studying the Hebrew and like he can tell you the context for Jewish scriptures. But he's the guy that didn't grow up in church. So he's outside of the Christian bubble. I believe that. Yes, I believe that was his experience. He was a skateboarder guy. The Bible belt doesn't any of the things, hedge of protection and stuff like that. He doesn't get any of that. He and his friend, John, they started a project called the Bible Project. And John is funny because he grew up in the church and he'll bring up these things that I've heard all my life. Mm -hmm. Um, These little Christian sayings and uh, Tim will be like, what, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> and yet he's an expert at the Bible, but he's never. Yeah, he's like, yeah. no, I've never, I've never heard that before. But yeah, they were talking about the mosaic that we put together based on all of the stories that we have read in scripture and trying to piece together the character of God and who we know him to be. Why is Jesus acceptable to us when there are certain scriptures that stand out? And because we've attached our own baggage and it triggered emotions to it, mm-hmm. it hits us negatively. But why do we still follow after him? Well, because we've grasped, we're trying to grasp the whole picture. And it's like, if you see me at one moment of the day and I am, I mean, whoo, she lit into her kids. Did you see Rochelle go off? Mm -hmm. That is not going to give you the full picture of who I am as a mother. Sure. It's going to show you one aspect. This was an issue I was taking to task with myself. We had a come to Jesus meeting, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that is not who I am in total as a mother. The love and the care is also there, too. And so we needing to piece together all of these parts of who God is, is extremely important. So if that's true, it's also important that I leave all of the things that trigger me as, as far away as I can 
from my reading process with the Bible. It's like, okay, yeah. let me, Lord, this, this seems to be bothering me here as I read this. I don't quite understand. Can you help me grasp it? Because I'm wanting to attach my understanding to it. Right, right. And I know that that's going to, to cast a different shading on it that perhaps you have, and perhaps it is contextually there. Um, it's fascinating to find out even the things that you see in black and white on the scriptures pages can mean something completely different. Like the uh, the numbers three and four are an idiom for, well, I don't want to get into that. Actually, I would love to get into um, a little bit more of like last week we had addressed with Matt Marr something in regards to uh, the generational curses. Yeah, like does if, if a, a parent sins, does that mean that the kids get punished for it? Yes. Yeah. And that's something that if you read in the book of Exodus, you could see it in black and white. Well, that's sure what it looks like it says mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that the sins of the, the iniquities of the parents is going to be into the third and the fourth generation. That sure looks like what the, is that what that means? That doesn't I don't know, Lord, that doesn't seem to fit in with the the Jesus I know, especially when he addresses that with his disciples when they ask him about a handicapped individual. Oh, is that man suffering because of the sins of his his right, family, right. his parents. That's right. And Jesus said, no. So how does that add up? How do you, how does two plus two equal five? That's the way it almost feels, doesn't it? Let's uh, let's hash that out next week. I like that. We're going to have some fun, I think, talking about that. I, I need to do a little bit more studying and, and check in with that. But it's so important because if you ever have conversations with people who don't know what to believe or they're on the verge of believing, or maybe they do believe, but they're struggling with that because other people around them in their life are saying, your God doesn't make sense. Mm. It's very contradicting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That didn't make yeah. any sense. Actually, it does, but you have to stick with it. Sure. And if sure. they really do want to have valid conversations with you, um, then you may have an opportunity to show them something and, and be excited about it yourself and say, oh, my word, actually, it means this. And there's so many layers to God. He's so much more. Yeah. Yeah. There is a, another opportunity uh, to come join us in this setting uh, with a conversation I want to tell you about in just a second. But I did want to say something to what you talked about with if if you know somebody with anger issues, so it, to, 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 the, to you invalidates oh, God's yeah. wrath. Yeah. I heard something incredible the other day. I can't remember if I've shared it on here or not, but it was a, a quote that says something to the effect of God's wrath is our only hope. Mm. And what they meant by that was we have a God that takes justice seriously. I like that. Yes. So when people ask you, how can a loving God send anybody to hell? Well, you ask them in the reverse. How can a just God send anyone in anybody to heaven? And because if we in current day, nobody in their right mind would, let's say Hitler was on trial and the judge said, "Eh, we'll just let this one go. We would all lose our minds. Well, let's even, let's just make it, let's water it down a lot. Okay. A lot. Because he tried to eliminate an entire people. Sure, sure. Let's pretend John Wick is a real scenario. John Wick. Okay. If you've never, look, I'm not remotely, again. Somebody killed his wife, right? Is that what happened? I haven't seen it. Somebody killed his wife and he's the. Spoiler alert. it's, It's the dog that sets him off. It's the dog. Oh, they got his dog. They got his dog. And then he goes on a revenge. Let me tell you. Yeah. The moment they get that dog, I'm all in. I'm like, you get right, them. Right. You get them. If I feel that way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if I'm made in the image of God, now again, I have to, <laughs> I have to subject the fact that I, I am a human being. I am broken. I and I am 
you know, fractured. Mm-hmm. And Jesus alone can heal me by grace. Okay. So when he gets angry, it's righteous anger. When he yeah. gets angry, it's not broken. Mm-hmm. Mine's broken. Sure. Sure. <laughs> but I'm just pointing out the fact that there is an anger emotion that we all have. And if it gets fed by injustice, like a dog getting taken out, and right. John Wick is now mad, he's going to take out all these people because he's had it. You're on his side. You what? Yeah. They took his dog, Carter. Yeah. yeah. And and yet when we view God in today's society, yes. he needs to be loving, he needs to be forgiving, and he is, he but is. there is a penalty with sin, and that's for all of us. That not, that's not just the big cases we yeah. named. And so you have God's wrath as our only hope, meaning he's a God that takes sin and justice seriously, mm-hmm. and in, I just find it interesting that in this day and age we live in about all sorts of justice, for every issue that we've heard, people are about it, and yet it can kind of go to a mob mentality, a cancel culture, yeah. and we don't know how much to punish, right? Mm-hmm. John Wick goes nuts, for yeah, example, he goes right? Nuts. And so God is the perfect yes. judge yes. and knows the proper punishment for everything. Yes. And so when people accuse, you know, people that you may know that aren't Christians accuse our God of being a hypocrite or mean, no, he's just. Mm-hmm. And there's a perfect balance of it. And we should especially in today's culture, admire mm-hmm. that he takes justice so seriously. We should. And so it is It is strange how we do. We are imbalanced in regards to the subject of anger, I think, mm-hmm. because if it's justified, at least in our minds, to be angry, then it's fine. Mm-hmm. Right. But if we right. read about God being angry and, we, oh, that's harsh, yeah. it's not okay. It's also true, the opposite of that. I think there's um, that part of us that has to, we have to be reminded that God, he made all of us. Mm-hmm. And so he's still, I think he's still holding out hope for some of his kids that none should perish. And I know that, um, it's, it's a terrible, I, I think it's, it's best to stay away from the Holocaust scenario because that was such a oh, devastating mm-hmm. situation. So I'm going to be the silly John Wick thing. Looking at where those, those guys, where do you get to in your belief system or lack of it? where you somehow are okay with living this lifestyle where you're going to go in, take out a dog, think about nothing of it or other people. This is your life. Now I'm a hit person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And God, it, it, he made these people, he made us in his image, his desire and his purpose for life is not what they have set out to do with theirs. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so there, I think there's this, there's this grand, grief that must be his in terms of I mean this is why he wanted to just obliterate sure everything at one point sure I'm getting rid of the world no you're going to be the guy at one point even tells it to Moses Moses I'm sick of these people that I've chosen Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm getting rid of all these people your line will be the people that I'm going to go with Moses like please let's rethink this God he's just he's grieved yeah you know and so he has plans for us I know the plans I have for you just to prosper you is not just something that he was sharing in the midst of exile, mm-hmm. the Babylonians uh, uh, with the, his his people, I think that's that's just his plan. Has been all along for God so loved the world, right? And He gave His right. Son so we could live for Him. But anyway, yeah, looking at it from all angles and recognizing my own biases that I bring into Scripture reading and trying to God give me Your eyes to see. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, Thank you for spending time with us. This has been a great conversation. Presley, thank you for that email. And if you want to be a part of another opportunity, I know we just had one, but we're going to have another one on March 23rd, and it's going to be through HopeOnDemand.com where you can uh, sign up and come. Uh, Darren is the lead singer of We Are Messengers, 
And it, in fact, let me just pull up a song if you haven't heard We Are Messengers. It's so good. But uh, it is it is so, so good that uh, he is not only uh, a great musician, but fun to talk to. And he will join us in downtown Houston. So uh, it, depending on when you're listening to this, obviously, if you're listening to this two years in the future, it's a little too late. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, but we would love for you to come on out that night. And again, HopeOnDemand.com is where you can get a whole bunch of great resources uh, and this podcast and then also sign up for that. So here's a little bit of uh, We Are Messengers. What, I mean, just solid, great music. Oh, and he's a solid guy. His his story about how he came to Jesus through a fiance who prayed and prayed and prayed for him after mm. she came to the Lord. Yeah. Wow. It's, yeah. He's got a great story, but I'm looking forward to talking to him, talking to you. Again, that's March 23rd. We'd love to see you in downtown Houston. Everything you need to know at HopeOnDemand.com. And you can email us like Presley did. Yeah, it's morningshow at ksbj.org. 